0: Remember all that stuff in Switzerland last October, the Swiss national bank's regular weekly dollar auctions sourced of course, by the federal reserves, central bank liquidity swaps or overseas dollar swaps, whatever you want to call them. Now, normally nobody bids at these things because everything seems to be fine and hunky dory. But for several weeks there in October, suddenly there was escalating participation, leaving those who watch these sort of things to wonder why. It never got really that it never really got to be that much, several billion dollars, which in the grand scheme of things is not much at all. But the fact that there was anybody there suggested maybe something's going on here. That wasn't the only one, however. Now you might have heard of something called primary credit, or you may not have. Primary credit is another Federal Reserve liquidity program that used to be called the Discount Window. The discount window goes way back to the early days of the Federal Reserve. In fact, it was one of its first tasks to use the discount window to provide liquidity for real bills and things like that in the major economy. Bankers acceptances to to provide a source of elasticity in a system that was beleaguered by inelasticity, even just from seasonal flows. And the discount window came to be after many years and evolutions and mon- monetary mar- market developments came to be an afterthought, really a truly an emergency program. So much so that it generated stigma. The fact that any bank might use the discount window was thought to be a kiss of death because if you went to the discount window, your name would come out and eventually everybody would know you must be in trouble, therefore you would be out of business the next day. Well, the discount window has been reformed. It was actually reformed way back in 2003, 20 years ago, so that it was called now primary credit. And in the 2007 and 2008 crisis, primary credit was accessed, at least later on in that crisis, to the tune of about $110 billion during the worst of it. But even in the early days of that crisis, the Federal Reserve was begging banks to use the discount window to try to destigmatize it. And over the years since then, it has attempted many, many programs, many changes in order to essentially destigmatize the discount window. In fact, encourage use maybe not regular use, but encourage use that if any banks get into any sort of trouble, don't be afraid, go to the Fed, it's your friend. We've got some funding for you if the market doesn't. The reason we're talking about the discount window and wrapping it up in with the Swiss National Bank dollar swaps last year is because of this. As you can see from February of last year, suddenly discount window use or primary credit usage has been escalating, or at least it was escalating up to November. It has come back down a little bit, obviously, after November, but it still remains relatively high. Now, like the dollar swaps, we look at the discount window and say, well, yes, the Fed has tried to destigmatize it, but what is really going on here? And should we even care about what's going on here? That's what we're, gonna, what's what we're gonna go through today. What's going on with the Federal Reserve's primary credit? Is there something there that we should be at least keeping an eye on? And if so, what does it mean for 2023? But before we get into all that, of course, I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. I always appreciate it. And if you're really interested about not just the discount window or the Fed, but real money and how real money works, collateral, as we're going to talk about today, to spoil everything, Urodal University memberships are available. As are research subscriptions, I do a daily briefing. That's a partnership with Markets Insider Pro, Stephen Van Meter, Tracy Schukart. You've heard of them before. There's a bundle available there. And the Eurodollar University Deep Dive Analysis, where, like today, we're going to dive deep into money, discount window, the Fed, what's going on with, again, I'll spoil it, collateral. All the information available for you at Eurodollar.university. So from the middle of part of February last year, before the Fed got going with rate hikes, primary credit usage, which had been it had been a small part, but a noticeable part of the March 2020 crisis had been down basically back to zero or close to zero again throughout 2021 and into 2022. So suddenly you got this steady usage, but it wasn't steady usage. You got this escalating usage in the primary credit throughout last year, consistent with a whole bunch of other stuff going on in the marketplace. Financial volatility, if you will. Not just any old financial volatility, Financial volatility that by the end of the third quarter, September in particular, the stuff that preceded the Swiss dollar swap auctions in October got to be pretty dicey there, especially if you were a gilt investor or in the UK or around many of the emerging markets such as India who complained pretty substantially about things going on in the global dollar system that we could absolutely see very clearly. And so it was quite natural for anybody who paid attention, to maybe look at this usage in primary credit, which is mostly entirely about the domestic banking system and wonder if there wasn't some like 2007 and 2008 spillover effects from global monetary disruptions causing maybe some problems here at home. And when you look at the chart here of primary credit usage, what you'll notice is that it wasn't a steady incline. There are these noticeable spikes and those notice, noticeable spikes are noticeable in how they correspond with other indications that we watch, especially here at Eurodollar University. But before getting to those, several people made you know they looked at this primary credit situation and said, "I'm not really sure what's going on." And one was Moody, a Moody's analyst in November said, "Well." maybe it could point toward deeper funding weaknesses in some corners of the banking sector. And that was the primary concern, that this was unusual and it was getting bigger and bigger to the point where, oh, we got to, to 10 billion by November in primary credit usage, which is, that's, it's again, it's not a huge amount, but it's sufficient to make you wonder, like the Moody's analyst, are there really systemic funding issues going on here in the domestic marketplace? Of course, that was enough to trigger a response from the Federal Reserve, or at least the Federal Reserve branch in New York, through their Liberty Street Economics blog, who a couple months later, earlier this year, January 17th, wrote a post called The Recent Rise in Discount Window Borrowing, naming it the Discount Window because that's the name that most people associate with the Fed rather than primary credit, because when you say the term primary credit, most people go, huh, what are you talking about? So Discount Window Primary Credit basically the same thing. What the Federal Reserve branch in New York came up with was a little bit of a complicated process, a little bit of an esoteric arrangement between smaller banks and federal home loan banks advances. Um, Essentially, federal home loan banks are an important part of financing mortgages, especially for smaller banks. What FRBNY uncovered was that smaller banks in the United States have experienced a pretty substantial cash strain, which has caused them to a- a- access this line of credit with federal their local federal home loan banks. There's not just one, there's several. Regional home loan banks. Um, using these advances to fund a lot of their mortgage activities, their portfolio loans, Ill, uh, their otherwise illiquid mortgage loans. These FH- F- FHLB advances are, as I said, a key part of, of their mortgage business. But why were smaller banks experiencing cash strains? Well, as you might might expect, the, FR, the Federal Reserve branch in New York, the Liberty Street Economics blog said, well, it's probably falling systemic bank reserves because QT, of course, right? No, that, well, that's not it. What happened was we had Uncle Sam generate a ton of cash through borrowing in the treasury market and depositing that borrowed cash in the accounts of citizens for nothing more than the fact that they're Americans and they wanted to pay you off during the pandemic. So everybody got some of Uncle Sam's cash and most people have their accounts at big banks, small banks, medium-sized banks, all over the place. So it was a, a deposit windfall, especially for smaller banks who got Uncle Sam's deposits and held on to them as a funding mechanism for the time being. But as Americans began to spend that cash in lieu of actual job growth, that's a key point that we've talked about just recently, lack of income growth, what ends up happening? As Americans spent this cash, a lot of that cash went overseas. But it wasn't, this again, this isn't physical cash. These are book entries. So these small banks were drained of their book entry cash that, moved and shifted to larger banks who handle more of the high volume, high value overseas payment processing and and payments. So small banks, cash gets redistributed because this wasn't inflation. This is a one-time government thing, leaving them at the beginning of 2022 to depend more and more on FHLB advances. So that part, the FHLB advances, I buy that from this Liberty Street Economics blog. But where they connect that to the discount window is in, is through the accommodation of the discount window versus the FHLB advances. So small banks are increasingly starved for cash. They're not, they're not out of cash, but their cash cushion has dwindled down significantly, triggering this, this use of FHLB advances. But, if the discount window is offering a lower relative rate and also offers better term, meaning uh, you can take out not just an overnight overnight cash loan from the discount window or the primary credit, you can actually take out a loan for term at a rate that is now consistent with the federal funds range rather than a penalty as it had been in, in the years past. The penalty was removed in March of 2020 to again, as I said, Remove some of the, to inc- increase the accommodation of primary credit to encourage banks to use it. So what FRB and Y said in January was that federal home loan adba- the uh, interest rates on FHLB advances got to be too uncompetitive or too high in comparison to what small banks in particular who have who have no stigma using the discount window to for them to actually go to primary credit and use it. It's an interest rate differential explanation. It's cheaper to fund via the federal reserve than it was through FHLB because of this cash being drained from smaller banks. That's what they said. Smaller uh, quantitative tightening, lack of reserves, and this interest rate competitive advantage at, at the discount window, nothing to worry about with primary credit, except, when you look at the again as I said before you look at the chart of primary credit you notice these spikes in use and those spikes in use if you look if you look close enough you can see how those spikes seem to correspond with times that we have noted before especially where it comes to as I spoiled it collateral because wouldn't you know it you can't just show up at a federal home loan bank and say, give me some cash. I'm going, to bar- I'm, going to, I'm going to start lending it out in mortgage markets. You actually have to put up collateral in order to secure those advances. Now the collateral takes a wide variety of forms. In fact, um, the FHLB will tell you that including one to four family and multifamily mortgage loans, no more than 90 days delinquent. So, if you have an 80 day delinquent one family mortgage loan, you can use that as security for a federal home loan advance, a federal home bank loan advance. So, anyway, these advances are collateralized. And they're collateralized not just by the mortgages that are lent and the mortgages that are in any small bank portfolio, they also can be collateralized by loans and securities issued, insured, or guaranteed by the US government or securities issued or guaranteed by any U.S. government agency or GSE. you can see where I'm going with this. That if small banks had been using, say, a GSE mortgage bond as collateral for these FHLB advances that they needed because their cash balances had been dwindled because it was always a supply shock, then as collateral became more and more scarce, maybe the small banks instead found better use for this collateral outside of posting it with FHLBs for advances. And if they didn't have or had better uses for collateral elsewhere, then these banks would have to go to some other source of funding, such as the primary credit window. But the primary credit window isn't uncollateralized either. So there's only specific collateral that's allowed there too. But while that's also been, those rules have been loosened, you can tell what I'm saying here. In general terms, collateral scarcity might push certain small banks who are experiencing or uncomfortable with narrower cash margins toward one source of government or quasi-government, in the case of the Federal Reserve funding versus another. And wouldn't you know it, as I said before, when you look at the use of the discount window or the primary credit window, it lines up almost exactly, near perfectly with some of our collateral scarcity indications. I'm going to show you here the SOFR rate. Now SOFR is a broad general collateral rate, rate, or it's an amalgam of general collateral rates in the repo market and some other markets too. But as I've noted before, including last October, September and October in particular, what you see is that SOFR has a tendency to go down a little bit when collateral is scarce. Now, most people think that when interest rates go down, that means there's too much money, competition for borrowers. Too many many lenders, too few borrowers. And that is absolutely the case here, except in this case, it's not too much money. It's too few borrowers who have the right collateral. So if you have fewer borrowers who have the right collateral, there's more people to lend you money relative to before interest rates tend to fall because of a shortfall in eligible or acceptable collateral in these repo markets. So lower SOFR rates as well as T-bill rates is what I usually pair those with collateral scarcity. So we take a look at SOFR rates, in particular, the entire range of SOFR. So we're looking here at the, the full range of all these transactions that are that go into the SOFR calculation from the first percentile to the 99th percentile, and it's exactly what you see. The first percentile, as well as the SOFR rate overall, tends to be pushed down noticeably during these same windows where we see a rise in primary credit usage, which fingers or points toward, points pretty strongly toward a compelling case for collateral problems, linking up not just primary credit or what we see in repo, but maybe other things, including September, October, October Swiss national bank auctions. Because as you see here, the SOFR rates go down the most and gets really wild and volatile. Primary credit goes up September and October. Now, since then, going back to the end of November, there wasn't necessarily a major spike down in SOFR that last leg up in primary credit use in November. So maybe there was a little bit more going on there, but since November, consistent with other indications that we've seen, including repo fails, even Japanese yen, which linked to repo fails, uh, the Federal Reserve Securities Lending Program, all of these other collateral and so even T-bill rates, they've gotten much better since November, just as primary credit usage has come back down a little bit. But what's also consistent here is that coming back down a little bit doesn't mean completely normalizing. So primary credit is still several billion dollars even to this day, just as securities lending through the Fed's window, which is, you know, again, a collateral use, that's still relatively elevated. And though repo fails have gotten pretty low recently, that's only in comparison to the previous nine months going back to March. Repo fails are still slightly elevated. So a lot of our collateral indications suggest while things are better than last year that doesn't mean they're good and that includes the primary credit and one last thing why this, this why this really matters is because just recently within the last few days we've seen SOFR the bottom end of the SOFR range not the SOFR rate itself which has remained steady but the bottom end of the SOFR range really the broad collateral GC rates have started to tick back down again suggesting are we seeing another bout of collateral insufficiency? And if we do, what does that mean? Well, it means among other things that there's a very good chance we could see a tick up in primary credit, which might trigger another Moody's analyst to suggest that, hey, maybe this could point toward deeper funding weaknesses in some corners of the banking sector. Weaknesses, now let's be perfectly clear to finish up here. We're not saying that this is a nightmare, it's going to lead to a repeat of 2008. What we are saying is that these types of deeper funding weaknesses can have very real impacts that can have more disruptive influences in a broader, broader uh, parts of the market than just, say, small banks and FHLB advances or even primary credit. As I talked about just recently, Instead of another Lehman Brothers failure, now we've got trouble in the dollar system because nobody wants to lend to Pakistan. So any increase in collateral insufficiency and scarcity that we might be able to see indirectly through something like primary credit could lead to bigger problems down the road. Again, it's not necessarily a 2008 crisis, but it's also not hunky-dory fine, everything's great that you hear from the Federal Reserve, including the Federal Reserve Trying to explain this in January is nothing more than interest rate differentials, like they said about the spike in the U.S. dollar, which also correlates to this too. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, a huge thank you to Eurodollar University members and our research subscribers. And until next time, everyone take care.